I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packer Podcast. I'm your host, as usual, at Steedy NFL on Twitter. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. Happy Monday to you. Uh, so some things do change. Some things do not change. Some things that don't change is the Packers won again. They clobbered the Niners. Uh, you know, Kaepernick down, Gabbard down. That was all good fun stuff. But some things do change. And that's me kicking Ryan Peacock out of the studio for this week and getting in our senior writer of the UK Packers, Dave Pion. Mr. Dave Pion, how are you? I'm doing very well, Mr. O'Brien. How are you doing? Not too bad. Throw us your Twitter handle there, please. It is uh, dpion03. Yeah, complex. That's That was a tricky one to figure out. But come here <laughs> to me, uh, Dave, just be, in case people are, because they're going to be listening to the podcast. They're used to hearing my Irish tones, uh, but you don't have Irish tones. What are your tones, Dave? My my tones are a, a, a pleasant blend of Southern Californian and English at the moment. I've lived in the UK for 27 years. Right. But um, prior to that, I lived in pretty much everywhere in the States, it felt like. So it may go Irish as well by the end of it. You never know. See, that's what we have in common. You know, the Irish tend to travel around the world, you know, and you're kind of the same. We're all a bit mongrels, uh, Dave, all mongrels. Um, <laughs> so I think what we'll do, Dave, on this podcast is, uh, for all the listeners out there, we'll tackle this Niners game, see if we can pull some meaning from it, uh, because let's face it, it is preseason. And then I think we'll have to look ahead, really, to the inevitable situation where dudes are going to lose their jobs. We're going to go from, you know, we're going to have to shed 14 players by Tuesday and we're going to, you know, tease it out and see which ones are likely on the chopping block. Like for me, Dave, I don't know about you, it was easy to pick out the players for me that were going to get cut. Do you think it's it's clear cut now who goes in this round? I think in this round, yeah. Um, I think you could probably, if you got yourself a, a depth chart, you could probably figure out a lot of them. I think uh, Marquise Williams, yeah, quarterback's probably going to go, and I think you could probably pick a few few others. I think yeah. the always the really hard one is the is the last one just before the season starts because you've got some really tough decisions to make then. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but I think we should really go from the start. So let's pick apart this Niners game because I think it's telling in this game the players that didn't even talk out and get out onto the field or someone that was just anonymous that I didn't even know they played uh, were Mm. definitely going to get cut. So I think for me, the Niners game again showed that the Packers are committed to the run and also, I mean, the tight ends got a lot of action. Uh, How did you see that game? Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think the um, if, if you look at the, sort of the, the number of um, pass plays to run plays, it seemed like you know, McCarthy really wants to make this work again this year. Um, Rogers last year, you know, he, by any other quarterback standards, he had a pretty good year, but by his standards, it wasn't so great. Yeah, I think a lot of that was the fact that they just knew there was no run game, and opposition defenses could just kind of tee off on James Jones, and and that was it. Yeah. So I think McCarthy, as as he does every year, has a, a real point of emphasis, and I think this year is to make that work. Lacey kind of looks a lot better than he did. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does look good now. You know, physically wise, he looks stripped down. But if we get into the real nuts and bolts of the whole thing, I mean, I was looking on Pro Football Focus, and again, we've had Neil Hornsby on the podcast. So if anybody's interested in really getting into the ins and outs of grading players hit up that podcast it's really fascinating stuff it's not too nerdy um but you know they break down the run game and what they saw as well and they said you know if you look at the top five offensive players three of them were on the offensive line you know josh Sitton, jc treader and david bakhtiari they were opening up all kinds of holes for the run game and interestingly enough 
Lacey and James Starks didn't grade positively on PFF. So what they're attributing to that sort of successful run game is the O-line. It's, it's how they're able to, you know, seal off and and open up gaps for, for the running backs to peg on through. And I think that was no more evident than when we saw Crockett come on later in the game. And the same with Barks. I mean, they couldn't get the holes, it seemed, and they kind of got stuffed a bit quicker. And I was sort of thinking, you know, uh, that's because they're not as good as, as Lacey and Starks. But I think it's because the starting O-line isn't there, which sort of highlights to me as well, again, Dave, that, I mean, so much of Green Bay's offensive success lies solely on the O-line to give Rodgers time and to open up those holes for the running backs. And I'm scared again that we're going to get an injury because we're one game away from a healthy start to a season and hopefully we can get there. Well, absolutely. And I think Corey Lindsley being out then obviously takes uh, JC Treader out of that that pool of really good uh, offensive linemen sort of backups. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I think, you know, they picked up Jason Spriggs during the draft and he, he looks like he's a pretty decent guy, but he obviously needs work to get up to the, the pro level. Yeah. But after that, it's, it seems to me to be a pretty steep fall off as far as experience and, and sort of pedigree. So I think, I think you're absolutely right. You know, that, that starting offensive line, it, it means so much because of the, obviously the run blocking and also, you know, keeping Aaron Rodgers on his, uh, on his feet. Yeah. And I, you know, like you, I'm I'm pretty concerned that if another one goes down, then we have some some pretty big problems. I think. Yeah, because I mean, myself and Ryan spoke in the last podcast about the Treader and Lindsley sort of flip flop, where Treader was meant to be the starter, then he got injured, Lindsley comes in, you know, then Treader was still in there for the starters role, got injured, and Lindsley came in again, sort of took his job for two years, and Treader was phenomenal. And from watching that game closely, because you know, that is where the sort of nerd comes out. I had a pad out and you know prepared <laughs> for this podcast and to write down sort of my observations, and they did fall in line largely with what Pro Football Focus were saying. But one thing that stands out to me and it's something that I really wanted to see and from seeing it now with my own eyes you know really start to form is the tight end play I think the way Richard Rogers and Cook are out there together that sort of two tight end sets I just love seeing that and did you notice as well that Cook was like he was he was bringing in a good few passes Aaron Rodgers seems to trust him but on most of those plays Richard Rodgers was out there making some quality blocks I think they're focusing more on getting Richard Rodgers out to block and if he breaks that block and you know to two of them find space that A-Rod should be able to use one of them as a sort of an escape valve because I think it was a third or fourth play of the game Cook got a massive gain after two runs that were kind of ineffective from Lacey so I mean I'm excited about the tight ends this season me too I, I think it's it's become from losing Jermichael Finley all those years ago and yeah. it was such a position of weakness for so long it's really refreshing to kind of see two very different styles of, of tight end there I think Cook's really good at sort of running the middle and you know he's got the speed and Richard Rogers seems to be from the last couple of seasons a, a pretty good red zone tight end yeah you see him a lot <clears throat> just sort of boxing people out he's a big guy he can knock people over and I think, honestly, Cook is, is what we've been missing for quite a few years. I think he will genuinely scare uh, opposition defenses. And I think that in tandem with a better wide receiver core, I think it's going to be a, a pretty good year. Yeah, he's so big. I mean, I looked at him and he just looks like a, a giant among men. You know, he's, he's massive. And the same with Richard Rogers. I mean, these are massive, massive targets. But one thing that worried me, and I, I did notice it as well, and again, popped on the Pro Football Focus to see what they were saying, Aaron Rodgers, to me, again, his body language, to say it was a preseason game as well, looks slightly off. He looked at, you know, where he gets that frustrated, you know, and he's looking at people with the death stare. 
there was a bit of that action going on. Now, some of the stuff I saw was vintage Aaron Rodgers. So that was catching 12 men on the field. Brilliant yeah. at that. Um, you know, and get, you know, the clutch throws into coverage. But one thing that really got to me was the sort of that body language. And there was sometimes that he had to scramble around. The O-line was in general, you know, as we said, you know, really, really good. But there's a few times he had to make a scramble. And there was one pass that I remember in particular that he pegged on to Lacey. But, he was, you know, he wasn't too far ahead of him, maybe seven yards, maybe. And he just skied it. And I was thinking, that's not like A-Rod. And Pro Football Focus even said it. They call him a bit rusty. So they graded Aaron Rodgers at 47.4 as a grade and to put that into perspective because that means nothing on its own quarterback Joe Callahan albeit with more playing time got a grade of 82.5 so <laughs> you know you're talking considerably more are you, now. Are you I, suggesting Callahan starts <laughs> exactly no I just, you know it's just it's amazing that and where wider grading them that way was is because it, I mean if you look at Aaron Rodgers stats they're amazing they're brilliant you know 6 for 9 60 yards and a touchdown I mean you take that all day but he wasn't what isn't in those stats are the plays that Aaron Rodgers made on the short throws that were inaccurate that were then nullified by penalties so they didn't come into you know that six for nine if you were to take those into account you know his stats would have been a whole lot worse and that's what PFF were grading now again I know it's preseason we don't read too much into it um, but is there anything in this game because that didn't alarm me but is there anything in this game that might have alarmed you or something that you looked at and thought mm, we need to do better at that I, nothing obvious. I mean, I, I think the the first first drive seemed to kind of stutter a bit. I think the the penalties um, there, there seemed to be an inordinate amount of penalties during that those first two series on both sides. So I don't know whether that's just sort of preseason rust coming off. Yeah. But um, I think it's interesting with with Aaron Rodgers because I mean he, he does hold everyone to that impossibly high standard. You know, we don't we don't know whether you know there is a route that wasn't run right. You know, maybe, maybe someone was in the wrong place and they should have been somewhere else. And that's kind of his way of keeping people honest. And, you know, I think even in a preseason game, he wants to win. Yeah. You know, he don't, I don't think he sees it as a, as a fitness exercise necessarily as, you know, as a chance to build momentum. Yeah, People let themselves down. I, th- I think he's just that kind of guy who's going to let them know about it. And that's something that, you know, I've preached for forever, that these preseason games, what we think we're looking at might not be what we're looking at at all. And kind of what you alluded to there. And, we, we, you know, he makes a bad throw, but he might be just effectively throwing the ball away because what they were trying to do on that play was maybe show how Devontae Adams could get separation. He didn't, and the play was kind of blown up, you know. And maybe that's what they're looking for. And so that Aaron Rodgers isn't particularly looking for the second, third, fourth option, perhaps. You know, maybe he's looking for that one play that they're trying to get down in a game situation that they haven't and that's why he gets annoyed and that's why I suppose we can't really be looking into the stats but one guy that I want to focus on because I was flabbergasted looking at some of his throws in a good way and sometimes in a bad way Joe Callahan I mean what do you make of this guy he, he's a player I really really want to like because he he's you know his background story obviously he didn't go to a, you know quote-unquote big university and um, Ted Thompson's you know does what he always does and kind of goes into the deepest recesses of college football and finds these guys from somewhere where he yeah. does it. Um, I was thinking about him um, as I was watching the game on uh, on Friday, well, Saturday morning, and he kind of, I don't know, I don't want to use the words Brett Favre, but there was kind of that element to him where he was, you know, the play would break down and all of a sudden he just sort of magic something out of nothing. Yeah. I think if, if you're coming from the background that he's coming from, you know, playing, playing like Brett Favre when you're Brett Favre, you can get away with that. But playing like Brett Favre when you're Joe Callahan, I don't know how many heart attacks the position coaches had on the sideline because you know, some of that looked like it was completely off off the cuff. 
But on the plus side, he's a really exciting player to watch. You know, he's he's he doesn't seem quite as sort of polished and precise as someone like Brett Hundley. Yeah, it's, you know, is obviously going to be the backup this year, but he's he's a guy that I really I really want to see him succeed because I think he's got a lot of potential. So, would you trust Joe Callahan with Hundley down to come in in a situation where, say, A Rod gets an injury, or even if it gets into garbage time, are we at that stage? You think to throw Callahan on for the fourth quarter, and and you know, would he lock it down? I think it would be interesting to see what happens against the Chiefs next week because I, I would I would imagine they want to keep Hundley safe for the, for the season. So I don't think they'll try and push his ankle, and I think you'll probably see Callahan play the majority of that game. That's and I think that's pretty much his audition. Yeah, and um, to see what he can do. I don't. I don't think you've really got a lot of choice at the moment because the backup quarterback market at the moment is probably going to get uh, collared by Dallas after Tony Romo went down. Yeah, so you'll probably see the, the better ones starting to fill, you know, the sort of starter positions other places. I, th- I, th- I don't see any reason why not. You know, give him, give him a chance. We did it in 1992 with some guy from Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Good work. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, if you look at Marquise Williams, definitely not the polished product. And he's on my list to get cut. Um, And I think they will cut him this early because, I mean, it was a statement of intent, I thought, against the Niners to give Callahan most of the playing time and to put Marquise Williams out there just for, I don't don't even know why, maybe just for something different, maybe just to respect the guy, to give him maybe a send off or whatever. I mean, who knows um, to put him out there. But again, yeah, I was impressed by Callahan. Like you said, I didn't want to say it, but I'm glad that you did. That whole Brett Favre sort of thing. The one that stood out to me was the play to Geronimo Allison. Um, I think that was fourth down as well, where he scrambled and just absolutely pegged it. But what what sort of stood out to me, Dave? Now I don't know whether it's this is you know that we twelve wide receivers now that has to be paired down. I'm assuming to five, um, for the regular season. So maybe people are just playing out of their skin. Like Geronimo Allison, I mean, I mean that guy surprised. I was looking at him going, Jesus, I mean you're good, you can haul him in. How many balls did you see in that game that were thrown to the wide receiver? You know, the safety or the cornerback looked like he had it. But kind of like Jordy Nelson did it, I think it was two two or three years ago against the Niners where the cornerback came down with the ball almost and Jordy Nelson just plucked it from him as if to say, there you go, little boy, and just took it from him for the touchdown and <laughs> said, in your face. I mean, there was that kind of plays. I, I think there was at least four of those plays in this game. Like, do you reckon that it is still open at wide receiver or are we looking at the five that we predict it's going to be? It's, it's a tough one because I, th- I think the sort of wild card in all this is the fact that you've got the, the, the tight end group. You've got Cook. You've got Rogers. I think it would be a shame to let Perillo go because I think he's been pretty decent. And you've got Backman, who's a pretty good um, special teams guy. Yeah. I think you're probably gonna, I think they'll keep three tight ends, which all of a sudden means that you've got less room to work with with that wide receiver group. Yeah. Jordy Nelson's a shoe-in. Um, Cobb's a shoe-in. Yeah. I think... Adams and Montgomery are pretty much shoe-ins as well. Yeah, which leaves one spot. I mean, who who is that spot? I, I to be honest, I think they'll probably go with six this year. But uh, I I might not become massively popular here. But I, I think you you might see Jeff Janis. Yeah. And um, hit injured reserve because I I think it, it kind of makes sense because he's got a broken hand that's going to take a while to heal. It's going to be at least three or four weeks, I would have thought, until he's in a position where he can contribute, and then he's got to get back up to speed. Um. I think Abraderis, again, you know, I know he's a popular guy because of the whole Wisconsin connection. If you took that away, is he worth keeping? I don't know. I think he's got solid hands. He's a good possession receiver, but, you know, they, I guess they all are. Yeah. Um, I think Davis as well from um, 
from the, the, the recent draft. I think he'll stay in because of the special team stuff. Yeah. So I, I think it's really then Geronimo Allison. I think we'll probably end up on the practice squad, but I think he's immensely talented. And I, th- and I think in any other year, he probably would have made it. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, especially from looking at this game, he made so many plays and I'm really impressed with Davis as well. And he really took it from left field. No one expected, everyone looked at him and, and sort of said, there's no way he's going to make it. Even Pro Football Focus have a podcast and they come on and, and they were talking about the draft and they said, Trevor Davis, I don't even know why he's there. I mean, the guy's a nobody. And then all of a sudden he just explodes in training camp and becomes the guy. And another person that's really exploding, I think, and, and sort of really made me stand up and watch him in this game was Blake Martinez. I mean, what do you make of this guy? Are, do you, are you a believer? I am a believer. I, th- I think he's he's kind of exactly what we needed um, inside linebacker-wise. And again, a bit like tight end, we've gone from uh, famine to feast. Yeah, you know we we've got him. Uh, Jake Ryan is obviously going to come back into his his next year, and I, I think there's a lot of options there now. And we and I don't think we had that before. And I, he looks like the real deal. You know, he's he gets all over the field. He's a hard hitter. It's pretty much what you want, I guess. Yeah, I just loved it because I mean the main thing that I saw was just him making an absolute nuisance of himself. He was on the inside just, and you could just see people going, "Not this guy again," you know. And then Clay was there at the same time at some point, so it was just. I mean, if you have the two of those guys in the middle, um, it, you know, it's it's going to be absolutely class. But again, you know, whether they move Clay to the inside, outside, what they want to do with him, they were they were playing him everywhere against the Niners, um. So that was interesting to see. So I mean from what you can read into a preseason game I don't know but they're certainly making steps in the in the right direction one thing that really got me was the amount of penalties um, yeah. now I don't know what's causing that in discipline um, and I don't know if it will continue but I think that's something that we need to cut out surely because it was some massive gains nullified I think if you um, if you go back and look at pretty much the first two or three games of every season McCarthy's been there like regular season games, at least that, that it's a problem. You know, it always has been. And ever since I can remember seeing him, most of those post game uh, interviews of him saying we need to get disciplined, and tighten up on the fundamentals, yeah, and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know whether it's just they're all rusty, or you know, it's just one of those things that happens. But you're right because those are <clears throat> those are game changers. You know, if you've got you know sort of 30, 40 yard gain nullified by a silly holding penalty, that's going to you know that's immensely frustrating for everyone. Yeah. I think the only other, I suppose, down, downside to that whole game was the um, the pre-game injury to Rukowski, because uh, I think letting John Kuhn go was a obviously a big statement because he's you know fan favorite. He knows that offense better than probably anyone other than Rogers and McCarthy. Yeah, and I, I think they'd staked a pretty big claim on um, Aaron Rukowski to, to kind of take up the the Kuhn banner. <clears throat> but um, you know, it was a knee injury. I, I don't know if you have you heard any more updates on on what what that injury is. Is he gonna make? No, I haven't heard anything. But as you said, I mean that's fairly considerable because it does change the whole backfield. And um, what you need to do then of your running backs, you need to make sure that they're making the appropriate blocks. Um, it's worrying. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't heard anything as of yet. But again, that would be a massive loss now for. You know, for a position that's effectively dying, but we all saw how important John Kuhn was. You know, especially when you look at that play in Chicago that we yeah. just keep retweeting now because it's such a beautiful play to watch. The one that <laughs> Randall Cobb, the dagger play. You know, you, you do need someone in the backfield who can make a block, which I think is why they're focusing on Richard Rogers so much to make those blocks and putting in the two tight end sets. It's you know, it's kind of a double whammy, and he does need to uh, get better. Um, you know, at blocking and, and opening up sort of running lanes and stuff. You know, he, he has to be a multi-purpose tight end. Mm. Um, yeah it's concerning 
which again, I mean, I suppose it's a nice segue if we sort of rush in now to the you know the players being cut. The current squad, eighty nine, um, Tuesday's deadline, they have to get down to seventy five. So that's fourteen players. I mean, what, what positions do you see, Dave, that are sort of in danger here? Like, if you were in that position, are you going wide receivers, tight ends? Absolutely. I, I also think the um, competition at punter is quite interesting because yeah. Masto has been there forever. And again, another sort of little, um, you know, local good news story about uh, Mortel coming in. I, to be honest with you, I, d- I didn't think either of them really sort of grabbed the bull by the horns and said, "I am the punter on yeah. the on Saturday morning, Friday night." So I think that's another one that could potentially go down to the wire. So it's quite a quite an interesting one. Um, I think the quarterback position is kind of locked up. I think the running backs. There's an interesting one there, I guess, about you know, will they keep a third? Will they? You know, there's obviously it's going to be Lacey and Starks. Yeah. Is, is Crockett going to be the third? Who knows? Um, yeah. I think defensively, there seems to be an awful lot of linebackers um, You know that, that, that are sort of in and around it. I think Bradford probably should be a bit worried because it's been, what, three years since he's been drafted? And I don't think he's had the impact that they hoped. Um, you know, he, he seems like a good guy. And he, you know, he seems like he's always trying, but it doesn't, I, I guess, really seem like he's, he's making a difference a lot of the time. No, I'd have to agree. I mean, yeah, you know, hit all those positions, so definitely wide receiver. There's some guys who just I haven't seen getting any playtime whatsoever. They're kind of just training camp fodder. You know, a guy like Harvey Binford, I mean, he's gone. I'm sorry, I don't see him last. And Herb Waters is the same. And Ed Williams, you know, there's three wide receivers straight away that you're cutting. You know, that's three of the 14. Um, I think they'll probably let Marquise Williams go in this round. Um, He didn't get a whole lot of playing time. I don't think they particularly need him around for competition-wise. I think the difference between himself and Joe Callahan is obvious in the playing time that they've been given and also in their skill level. So I'd say he's gone. Um, You know, tight ends, as you said. I mean, I don't see them keeping Kennard Backman. Um, That's an interesting one. I I think they'd, they'd be tempted. I think the... If, if Janice is out injured for a long time, I think they, they need some of the sort of solid um, special teams guys. Yeah. Um, which he is. I, I don't I don't think he's a, a sort of flashy Jared Cook style tight end, but I think his special team stuff might just give him the edge over Perillo. Like, yeah, that's interesting, Dave, because I mean, when you look at last year, they had Backman in there uh, with Perillo and Richard Rogers. But when I was looking the way at their play, no, maybe it's just my bias because I really like Justin Perillo. And a few podcasts ago, I called him 7-Eleven because he's always open. I just always see him, like, he's always there making plays when you need him. But he's a weird-looking guy, you know? Like, he's not the quintessential body type that you'd sort of expect for a tight end. He's sort of, he looked, well, he looks shorter and more stout, kind of more heavy on top. Um, mm. You know, so with last year, would it have been Backman, Perillo, and Richard Rogers. I see, obviously, um, Jared Cook, number one, Richard Rogers, number two. And then with the throw-up between Perillo and Backman, I just think yeah. Perillo makes more plays. Now, again, as you said... I mean, is that what you're looking for? Or are you looking for someone to sort of fill a gap on special teams, which, as you said, will be backman? Um, it's it's hard to know, but yeah, I I only see them keeping definitely three. I would have thought. Would you see them keeping four then to keep backman or letting Perillo go then? I I, I think in my head at least, and and again, I you know I've been wrong before, and it's probably going to happen again. But I I think it's they'll keep three, and I think it's a straight choice between backman and Perillo. I think Henry and Casey Pierce are gone. Yeah. It's just then I think with your, you know, the, I guess when you're that deep in the in the depth chart in any position, you've got to be able to contribute on special teams. And I think probably Backman's going to get it. Yeah. Right, we're putting a fiver down. We're putting a fiver <laughs> down between Perillo and Backman. 
Um, yeah, five great British pounds, which is about you know maybe forty cent in euro. Um, that's fine. So, watch the fat Jared Cook now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? Um, so yeah, I mean, tight ends, wide receivers. I think they're the easy ones for the pick. And another one that was easy for me uh, was cornerbacks. I mean, there's some lads here that just haven't got any playing time that are definitely, I don't think, going to make the team. And we're yeah. so strong in the secondary now um, at safety and cornerback that we don't need to keep these lads around for much longer for some type of competition because I don't think they're offering any. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's another tree that can go from there. Um, and then when it comes to running backs, then, I mean, that's an interesting one, you know, because they are trying their hardest with them. We saw what happened with Lacey. I don't think he's going to have another issue this year with indiscipline. Um, but really the question is, is do they keep Burks? It's a, it's, it's a tough one. I mean, again, it, it, I think a lot's going to depend on, you know, if they're going to keep that many wide receivers. So, you know, again, one of the other groups is going to have to get cut. Yeah. Uh, you could get away, I think, with, with three. I think you could probably get away with two um, and one fullback as well. Uh, you could see, obviously, the, the number of carries John Crockett got um yeah. the Niners kind of said I think that was his again you know another sort of audition to see how how can you do when you're given enough opportunities you know can you consistently do it rather than coming on when everyone else is tired and and um sort of picking up the scraps yeah I think if they're going to keep anyone they, they would keep Burks but I, I think both the Brandons are probably going to go I'd say so yeah which I mean again if if they're going to keep three that's Eddie Lacey yeah James Starks yeah and Crockett yeah I'd say that's right yeah and poor old Brandon's gone uh, which is a shame because I mean he did you know as I was saying it all comes down to the O-line opening up uh, lanes but again Crockett made an impression last year too an awful lot of people were singing his praises when he came in for a few games and really rescued the run game so again there's a bit of sentiment there with him too but I think he earns it um, and then the other person that I see so again the quarterback Marquise Williams is gone and then yeah. Lucas Patrick the guard I think he's gone I don't think there's any need to to have him around so I mean, with all of those cuts, that makes the 14, and that all makes sense to me, but it gets considerably harder now when we go to shave that down even more to bring yeah. us down to the final uh, roster. Um, but an interesting one, Dave, that I saw on Bleacher Report was, is, you know, we're talking about the wide receiver core, and one of them said uh, on Bleacher Report, you know, there were tra- you know, one of these trashy sort of clickbait articles, but he said that, you know, what are the shocks that are going to be cut this season? And he was going through all the teams. And for the Packers, he said that he didn't expect Devontae Adams to make the cut. Would you in any way entertain that? No. <laughs> no. Um, I think last last year, you know, he was, he was getting uh, targeted, I guess, by the fans because he wasn't, basically, he wasn't Jordy Nelson, yeah. which is a bit harsh, I thought. But um, I think it's too soon to give up on him. Um, you know, Ted, Ted Thompson, as you may have noticed, is a pretty stubborn and obstinate uh, fella. And <laughs> I don't think he's going to want to be able to turn around to people and say, yeah, I screwed that one up. Yeah, I, I think he'll stay. Um, I think as well, it'll be interesting to see what he does when he's, you know, he's had a good sort of, you know, full preseason workout. He's healthy. Give him a chance. You know, I think with some of that talent they've got there, you could stash some of that in the practice squad and bring him up if it's not working. But I, I think it's too early to give up on him. Yeah, I mean, I really like the guy from two years ago. I think that he shows that his potential, I mean, there's so much potential there. Now, I know he hit the floor uh, last season. You know, he caught 50 out of 93 targets. I mean, you're nearly knocking a 50% ratio there, which isn't great. 483 yards and one touchdown. It's not good enough. But, I mean, as you said, the fans were targeting him. And I think the person targeting him more was Aaron Rodgers because he had to, you know. And I think that... I don't know whether he could accept that responsibility or workload. But again, they shut down. You know, we didn't really have 
a marquee number one wide receiver last year i mean was it james jones or randall cobb um you know and everyone seemed to be playing old or playing injured i mean you know Devontae adams at some stage was injured we all know now that randall cobb had a shoulder injury throughout the whole season Mm -hmm. um again more your quintessential slot receiver didn't have anybody to stretch the field and that's why i think it was unfair that james jones was never going to step into jordy nelson's shoes and all of that weight was on Devontae adams which is a lot to take with the run game not going well no one respected the play action with the o-line getting injured again didn't give a rod a whole lot of time so it was really just a bad situation but i have to laugh as well david mean how lucky we are that we still got to the playoffs almost you know i mean the the Super Bowl was definitely a possibility. It's only that we got bet by the cards then and, you know, just some ridiculous plays um, from the defense, maybe getting tired or whatever it was. Um, and again, I mean, you can't argue too much when you get bet by a guy called Larry Fitzgerald, you know, um, you know, good Irish brethren. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, we can't have too many gripes and we can't sort of say that it was because we tend to write the season off don't we when really we should sort of take stock of how lucky we are absolutely and I, and I think the, the the other sort of flip side of that is the, the consistent success that you have or we have I should say means that you're always picking at the bottom of the tree you know yeah. and, and having this this kind of conversation we've had today about who do you get rid of and there's some obviously some really talented people in there you know it just kind of goes to show how how thorough and how good the scouting is and you know the player acquisition stuff there's some genuinely really good guys here who a few, a few of them i think could walk on to any team in the nfl if they really wanted to um and that team's called the vikings yeah <laughs> <laughs> been a while since i took one of ours so yeah, yeah. we'll think- throw in Kenneth backman what, what, what was the last one they took Charles Johnson maybe we have had players that we've taken in the 6-7 round and they have been taken by other teams because they see the value in them and Charles Johnson now is a regular contributor um, in the NFL so I mean you know we do get talent in and it's a testament to Ted Thompson and the way he drafts and that can't be underestimated um, and we've seen we do our history podcast and you know, if people go back and listen to them, the amount of mistakes that were made with draft picks and with money and the whole lot going back, Ted Thompson is the perfect solution to all of those problems. He doesn't go and, you know, throw away our money on ridiculous contracts. He knows when to let a player go when they think that they're going to earn too much money. He's, you know, and the Packers effectively been doing this for forever. I mean, all the players, like even interviewing a man green, he was gone for a few years to the Texans, then came back. So, you know, he the Packers know historically when to cut a player and when to not cut a player and in Ted we trust um, and again something else that's uh, interesting and kind of Packer related because it refers to us um, is the Romo injury because we're going over to see uh, the Packers take on the Cowboys in um, October so again there's tickets still available if you want to come along some guy just booked I think it was a day or two ago so I mean people are still uh, putting the money where their mouth is to come over how much is that a game changer do you think for the Cowboys this season and especially in the game that we're going to see Dave uh, with Romo being out is that a massive game changer have you heard good things about this backup um, it is a, it's a, I think a massive game changer for them I think if you look last year when uh, Romo started with the first like four or five games before he got injured mm. they were really good Yeah, I mean you know, it, it pains me to say it because I'm not a great Cowboys guy but they were very very good I thought um, he went down all of a sudden they've got uh, was it Brandon Whedon yeah in and Jerry Jones you know finally loses what shred of sanity he has left and describes him as a you know fantastic quarterback and it just shows you how how important it is to have that really good quarterback in your in your team um Dak Prescott I think is the guy who's going to step in for it it is yeah um and he again preseason he's looked he's looked pretty good but then it's preseason 
So I, th- I think what you'll probably see is the first few games of the year, he'll do okay. Uh, they'll build build up some tape. You know, defensive coordinators will kind of look at what his weaknesses are. And I think that's when the, the measure of the quarterback comes out. You know, when other teams know what's coming, can you still beat it? Yeah. So I th- think it would be, you know, a, a pretty intriguing game no matter what. Yeah, and I mean, the, the Packers-Cowboys uh, meet up, I'm happy because people are going, oh, we wanted to see Romo and see a game. I'm not traveling. I'm not spending a month's salary and traveling all the way over to Lambeau to get the goosebumps when I'm going into the field, you know, and getting all excited. And then seeing a close game, having a heart attack and having to be brought out in an ambulance. I'd gladly go over and see them run up the score. Run up the score, please, Ted. If you're listening, Ted and Mr. Mark Murphy and Mike McCarthy and all the rest, run up the score. Give us a 70-0 game. That would be good for me. I'd definitely like to see that one. Another topical thing, Dave, and I think this is where we're going to end the podcast, uh, albeit perhaps controversially. Um, the Niners game was a topical in NFL media, not for Joe Callahan's heroics in Brett Favre form. It was Colin Kaepernick not standing up for the national anthem. Now, as an American, honorary English, Irish, Scots and Italian, how did you feel about him not standing for the anthem? So kind of in, in two or three minds about it, to be absolutely honest. So I think, you know, we've obviously we've got the right to express yourself. You know, you've got the right to free speech. I think my my issue with him is that, you know, is this the right forum for that? Yeah. You know? So I think one of the one of the most um, sort of, I guess, sacred things for me is having sports away from the rest of everything else you know so i think we all know the world is a depressing and unfair and violent place one of the reasons i love sports so much is that that's my way of <clears throat> i suppose disconnecting from it so I, i'm not a big fan in in uh, politics and sports clashing i think one of the one of the greatest examples of politics and sports 1968 olympics when you had the the two american runners yeah. um, doing the, the black power salute yeah i think the reason that was such a powerful image was you had two guys at the absolute pinnacle of their <clears throat> their athletic career winning a race in the most significant athletics competition that there is. That's a powerful statement. Colin Kaepernick can't beat out Blaine Gabbard for a starting job. <laughs> and he's doing it in a preseason friendly, and I don't understand what, what he was hoping to accomplish with it. If you want to make a statement about <clears throat> you know race relations in the U.S., go do something positive. You know, go and talk. <clears throat> you know, try and try and help with the solution rather than just sort of sitting down during the national anthem. Because I, I don't, I don't see what what that's what that's added to the discussion. Bless me. Yeah, I mean, and that's coming from an American. Would you still call yourself an American, Dave? Absolutely. Yeah. Always. So I mean, that's coming from you. So now, from an Irishman, I mean, again, I'm in mixed uh, emotions by it, right now. Number one, I don't think he has a respect from anybody because the guy's a douche. So I think what he does on the field and stuff now, and always whacks the Packers a bunch of times. But he's arrogant, he's ignorant, um, and I think when he makes a stand, if it was to come from somebody that people really respected, um, you know, like uh, a Julius Peppers or someone like this, you know, you'd sort of maybe stand up and go, Do you know what, like he doesn't make a stand a whole lot, but this is a guy who kisses his biceps and stands with his, you know, beats headphones and his nonchalant attitude at pressers and had to be told to clean up his attitude, he was being too smart. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and this is the guy who's making the stand. Like you said, I mean, people don't want to see sports and politics mixed. Now, again, I do believe that, I mean, look, America is meant to be the land of the free and free speech. And, you know, you've got your amendments in your constitution that says all that. Uh, so, again, if he wants to make a stand on that regard, you can't say that he can't make a stand. But as you said, the way he did it was a bad way to do it. Is it going to change anything? No. Is it going to annoy a bunch of people? Yes. I mean, you have to weigh it all up. Is it actually, you know, it's not going to change 
Like, oh, what are they going to do? Like, oh, well, Colin Kaepernick didn't stand for the uh, national anthem, so I think race relations now are okay. No, that's never going to happen. I mean, it's not going to make a difference. And yeah, it's it's annoying that that becomes the sort of focal point now for this guy who, to me, his career has gone down the toilet. He was the go-to guy, almost won a Super Bowl if it wasn't for Beyonce pulling the plug on the electrics for a while and letting the the Ravens catch up you know she really did a solid there I mean and this is a guy whose limelight itself is fading so to me this just looks like a cheap publicity stunt that he's done to garner some type of you know media coverage to make him in any way irrelevant Um, and again I know people are getting upset that he's sort of flying in the face of you know men that have gone abroad under that American flag and died for their country and here we have this overly tattooed guy you know who's trying to make a stand but one thing that I you know that I wouldn't really stand for and that it has annoyed me that I've saw online they said that because he's a multi-millionaire how can he go on about people being oppressed I mean just because he has a bunch of money doesn't mean he can't see that there's oppression that's ridiculous to me you know just because um if someone's a vegetarian it doesn't mean that meat eaters don't exist you know like it, i think that or that you're a vegetarian that you can't have an opinion on this that and the other you know like just because you are one thing doesn't mean you can't see an injustice in another like i'm a white guy and i would see that there's racial prejudice everywhere in the states even on ireland i mean you know you have people being discriminated against that doesn't mean i can't commentate on it because i'm not black and, and i'm white you know i mean that's that's a bit silly for people to say that oh shut up or what are you going to say and they have they put up pictures of him standing beside his lamborghini or whatever it doesn't matter how much money he has he still has eyes and is able to see and a brain and a, an opinion and all that type of stuff it's just a shame that to me looks like a cheap publicity stunt and like you said i mean why didn't he do something positive with it um but look people are very animated about it they're very annoyed about it um and rightly so and that's Colin Kaepernick for you. I mean, we told you this. You know, Packer fans told you this many years ago that the guy was a douche. So we're not surprised. Um, but I think that comes to the end of the podcast. Hopefully we haven't annoyed too many people with our Kaepernick rants. And uh, so I think that's from myself, at NFL on Twitter and at dpon 3 Is it, Dave? It is indeed, yeah. We bid you farewell. So long.